podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Mark Jarden. Hello. And only Mark Jarden. Surely that's enough. Yeah. I mean, this is the pro-coms team from the weekend, so... What more could you need? Mm-hmm. I mean, first and foremost, what we'll talk about is just about how much of, you know, how generous we are that we helped... We've done the Help a Buddy scheme. We bought 10 tickets because we're just great guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I did want to just make a point of saying how great both of us are. Mm-hmm. And um, just just basking in that for, for a while. It's just the, the, the actions of good people. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Should be said that the money that we used was money that people give us. And yeah, it didn't come out of our own pocket, and it's other people that have actually contributed that money, and also lots of other people, also do the help of buddy scheme. They're probably good people as well. Mm-hmm. But still, we still gave them the money. We could have done anything with it. And you know, I almost feel jealous of the people listening right now because they get to listen to such nice guys like us. It's true. We are St. Mirren. Mm-hmm. I've heard people refer to us as Mister St. Mirrens. Yeah, I'm a Mister St. Mirren, and I think Mark 100% Mister St. Mirren. Yeah. We are the source of help a buddy tickets. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll get to more serious points. Um, <laughs> it's good to see that scheme kind of up and running properly yeah. again. Um, joking aside, I think that was one of the things to be most proud about the club mm-hmm. last year. And then, you know, of course there was the, the kind of social media back and forth and bite back about people maybe external who didn't understand the initiative and what was behind it and conflated it with... Um, you know the the one stand policy for away fans and, and whatnot, but I think if you strip all the, that away at its core, this is just it's exactly what a community club should be doing. It's the club coming up with something good, and it's the community that supports the club stepping up and kind of meeting the meeting the challenge. And I think it's important to important to remember that while last season was a particularly good season on the pitch and you know absolutely we should focus on that there's so much that happened off the pitch mm-hmm. which maybe get forgotten about in some of the some of the drama that kind of cost out the the season and um, people showing up in their numbers people supporting this kind of thing and their numbers that the, the updates from the club about who was getting to enjoy these tickets you know there was yeah. refugees who'd only, only just landed in the country were getting to go and do this there's a couple of charities lots of people who are maybe new to paisley being introduced to something which made them feel part of the community, and I think it's it's it really is football at its best. So, like I, I know we started by taking the piss of it, and I don't want this to sound too much like a pat on the back. But given that it's people that support someone that are giving us a, a little bit of money to keep their bills paid and all that kind of stuff, it's absolutely right that if we've got some of that left sitting, that we plow it back into oh, absolutely to stuff like this. Essentially, the po- the podcast is a, like it's not. Not for profit in any way. We've, no, God, no. We've never taken any money out for ourselves. Like um, we, we always what's been invested is pays for the running of the podcast, and anything left goes back to you know prizes. Patreon allowed us to give a season ticket away um, uh, during the preseason. Uh, something I hope we will we'll probably do again. You know, and 
if there's any sort of charity stuff like this that pops up, we're more than happy to to you know invest in that kind of thing. I know how um, touched my family were last year when you know not, not certainly not something I, um, I asked for, but the the rest of you boys kind of stepped up and put towards a bit of that money towards a, a fundraiser that my my cousin was running for a wee boy. So it's good to use it for stuff like that. And as you say, it's doing. There's never enough money in there for any of us to quit our jobs or anything like that. So actually, we could either, you know, spend it on, you know, pies every every couple of weeks and and pints and, and a Christmas night out and leave it to that, or we can just keep chucking it back in so that we can keep doing this, which we enjoy, and that folk are listening and supporting us that way, or getting something back. And when we can, we can give a bit of it to the to the club. So. I'm, I'm so glad we were able we were in a position that we had a bit left over and we were able to to do that and hopefully that that leads to some new new fans for the club yeah 100% and hopefully when they do get their free tickets or uh, they can go to games like we witnessed on Saturday full of entertaining yeah nice and entertaining yeah exactly nice entertaining games which I've just spoken about Paisley at its best Saturday was Paisley at its pettiest and I love it and it was it was fucking magnificent. That, see, I haven't heard a, a boo that strong in a long time, and I was 100% behind it. And if I was not on commentary, I would be joining in with so much <laughs> glee. I think both of us were certainly doing a bit of like clapping and encouraging when uh, Heming and Fraser were getting up the, mm-hmm. the away crowd and, and whatnot, but had to stop just short of booing on uh, on live mates, but rest assured that in spirit we were with uh, each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the game started in the most pettiest way we can enjoy it possible, and that was with our former captain putting the ball in his own net. Fantastic yeah, I mean, that, header, looping header. The striker's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got no quarrel with Joe Shaughnessy at all. I, oh, no, I think it was not. right. Do you mean if you love something, set it free? Mm-hmm. Um, and we all just wanted everyone's favourite shaggy-haired mascot to go and get first-team football, and that's fine. And to be honest, we are setting up to try and play pace here up front this year. If that means a team that we're going to play four times a year has a defender that we thought maybe wasn't quite fast enough to to play week in, week out for us, then that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Actually, I'll talk about the goal in a second, and I don't know that everyone agreed with me on this, I actually thought Sean said a really good game. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, I think... We did resort to pumping balls into the box. We found it hard to maybe find space in behind, um, mostly because Dundee sat so so deep. But I, th- I thought Shaughnessy mopped up just about everything. He had that goal line clearance, which you know was either in or out, depending on who you ask. But I, if I was a Dundee fan, you take that mm-hmm. own goal aside, and even then, he's the only one that's trying to get something on that. Um, you take that out. He was the one that was stopping us from from adding to that more often than than not. So full 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 credit, full love, and full sympathy to to Joe Shaughnessy and all the rest of it. Still find it funny that everyone got booed, but mm-hmm. um, that's fine. Trevor Carson, different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that, that, that was the main boon. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and even then, like we've given it the caveat, and the caveat still exists. Like we don't know the full story. There's there could be a absolutely justified reason for things happening the way it was. And I would hope that Trevor Carson took Saturday in the way it was intended, which is very much uh, you decided you didn't want to play for us anymore and then you're back in front of us, so you're getting booed, mm-hmm. as opposed to any kind of genuine personal vendetta. Um, 
I don't know necessarily that that's how he felt about it, <laughs> given just how uh, how loud and how sustained it was. But uh, no, I think it was. I think it was with the right intention. Can't be pleasant, right? But I don't. Um, I don't know that anyone was actually that angry at him, or you know, I don't know that there was much actual hatred. It was mostly piss taking. It was the same as Goodwin coming back with Aberdeen on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve last year. It was, wouldn't it be funny if we bent one up him and we bent a couple up Trevor Carson mm-hmm. on Saturday and it was lovely. I mean, he, did, he didn't help himself when uh, he sent Joe Shaughnessy to, up to Zach Robinson to tell him where, where he hit that penalty. I think that was <laughs> that was great. And that's when the rendition of Trevor Carson, you know, anchor appeared. Yeah, which uh, my dad texted me with, mm-hmm. which you could hear coming through on the on the mic for the club stream. Nice. Which was just there. Uh, just lovely. Big fan of that. Um, yeah, I think uh, surely Carson's just ran up to Shaughnessy and said, go up and talk to Zach Robinson. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter what you say, just make a show of it and try and psych them out. You can only, I listened to the Terrace podcast and they were, they were kind of saying like, surely there's, Hemming didn't train for any period of time really with Carson and they wouldn't know. I don't think it's about that. I'm assuming if it was any knowledge at all, it would be what Langfield does. Yeah. It would be go and tell him that Langfield always tells his goalkeepers to blah, blah, blah. And if they're leaving a, a leg in the middle, they leave it at this height. And, you know, if they don't know where a guy goes, then they'd usually dive to the right or whatever it is. Which is fair enough. But I think all it did was unsettle Zach Robinson and then psych up Zach Kering. Um, not to steal the Terrace's uh, stat again, but. I think they said he'd saved ten penalties since signing for Kilmarnock. Nice, and he's and that might include shootouts as well in the League Cup and stuff. But I think he is genuinely a bit of a penalty specialist. That seems to be the opinion, unless I've been taken for a for a ride by those sarcastic young men. But um, for all the, I don't think they were. I don't think they were bestowing that much praise on Zach Kerman, But I'm, I'm pretty sure Craig Anderson or or Dan Greenfield, whoever it was, had said that he was. He did have this reputation for mm-hmm. for saving quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of penalties, and he did exactly what you want your keeper to do. He made himself big. He went to the side and committed, but left enough of a leg in that if the striker strike tried to be clever, that he would uh, that he wouldn't be lost. And mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what happened. He, he stood up to it. Um, a couple of kind of blips aside, including the Dundee goal, I thought Heaven had a, a strong game again. I yeah, think I he think deserves. So. Plenty of uh, plenty of credit for it. He was decisive coming out for crosses. He um, he made quick, reasonable decisions when he had to. Another good save with his feet down low. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. just that he's near post. Um, and this week again, which is two weeks in a row, that he stood up to something like that. And if you think about the the kind of amount of goals that we score like that, where the ball's kind of rolled back off the touchline and you're just kind of stabbing it in, actually, to have a keeper who seems to have the measure of people doing that is a bit of a a bit of a positive. I think we're still firmly in the, the land of um, no firm opinions when it comes to him as our number one, but he's not really, you know, Martin aside, he's not done much significantly wrong. No, in, in competitive matches, I don't think he, he, he's put a foot wrong, overly wrong, should we say that, yeah, he might have, could have done better um, against Hibs, he could have done a wee bit better against this goal, but this, this, the goal that we conceded, we conceded a lot of them last season under Carson as well. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's not like, um, it doesn't seem like a massive drop-off as of yet. 
and out the performance between the two goalkeepers yesterday, uh, yesterday uh, on Saturday, he definitely had the better, better of the two. And um, I believe, like, see a game like this with the crowd right behind them and stuff that helps breed confidence. And when you're a goalkeeper, sure. that means a lot. Like you saw him coming out confidently, um, plucking the ball out there. There was one that he didn't even need to jump; he just held his hands out and caught it. And um, you know more of that. And I think. The more confident he becomes, and the more kind of games that he has like this, like I think he'll be a solid number one for us. And it, regardless of how his game, like season was last um, last year with Kilmarnock, where he ended up being dropped, this is a new season. This is new coaches. This is new everything for him. Um, may as well get behind him because he's he's going to be our number one by the looks of things for the throughout the whole season. And if Middlesbrough were confident enough to give him a new three year deal, there's something there. Yeah, you've got to assume he's of a standard. And I don't think, even even when some of us were critical, and I, th- I think it was still understandable for people to be critical mm-hmm. at the time it was announced. We went from having, for my money, the third or fourth best number one in the league to having a guy who wasn't good enough in the eyes of Derek McInnes to oust, for my money, the 10th mm-hmm. best keeper in the league last year, maybe 11th best goalkeeper in the in the league, um, if, if you're being harsh. So... I think it's entirely fair to react to that, you know, kind of disappointingly and see what's happening. But since he's been given the gloves, a couple of wee bumpy um, ones to, to settle into, he's really not done too much wrong. And I think he does more good stuff with each person. Mm-hmm. He came out and punched one in a, a proper throng of bodies fairly late on. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on Saturday, I remember as well. And that's your, you know, a, a kind of slight, younger goalkeeper low on confidence that's maybe when you start to get a rush of blood to the head and either overcommit or undercommit and something happens whereas I think he judged it pretty much pretty much right on Saturday I do think the goal was was probably a little disappointing I think he and the defence can probably be equally disappointed it was the second time in a fairly quick succession that Tiffany mm-hmm. had clipped one of those right footed crosses just into the you know kind of between the, the 18 and 12 yards point and um, we dealt with the first one we, we should really have expected the second one to come in and I think a couple of people are out of position and Hemmings just a little bit flat footed and we're, we're kind of taken for one yet you would hope that we could begin to weed that kind of thing out mm. um, over time but it, I wouldn't say it qualifies as an error or, you know a proper error and I think the more weeks that go by without errors then you know you work with them um, with what you've got. I, I said it last week and I'll try not to repeat myself too much, but I still think it's a case of Carson made a couple of saves a game on average, which we couldn't believe that he'd made. We probably need to accept that that's not going to happen as, as often this season. But if he can keep up the level he's playing at currently and, and keep the errors out of his game, then he seems like a perfectly serviceable goalkeeper mm-hmm. with a bit of potential in him. And, and hopefully we start to see that potential being realised as well. We've kind of talked about their goal, but we haven't talked about our second goal yet. And uh, something we saw throughout the whole game, and I mean, we touched on it in commentary as well, like uh, the quality of our deliveries in that game were fantastic. And I think I pointed out that I can't wait to see a younger back because I think he'll mop most of this up. Like, I think he'll score quite a few goals from them. And then you mentioned when Mandron becomes a bit fitter, he'll 
probably picked some of them up as well, and then I immediately scored from like, a fantastic corner. And I love such fact, a good delivery. Yeah, I love the fact Boyd Muntz is even kind of smiling to himself before he's even hit it, almost as if he knew. We scored a goal last year up at Petodre, where the corner was whipped right onto the head of Curtis Main at the mm-hmm. at the near post, and he bulleted it. And that is maybe the only example I can think of off the top of my head in recent years of us doing exactly that, us knowing exactly where to put someone, that person being capable of putting it somewhere the keeper's going to struggle to save it, and also the set piece taker capable of nailing the ball and putting it somewhere where he knows our guy will get it and he knows that their guys can't. And you can't do that every time. You know, you have to mix things up and you'll have to float some to the back post and you'll need to find a man to head it back across goal and whatever. But if we have that in our locker from someone like Boyd Munson on his left foot, which certainly seems like it, and also strain at the opposite side yeah. that they're both so so capable. I'm sure it was strain from a really deep free kick almost on the byline that put that ball in for for me at Petodri mm-hmm. now that I think yes, about it. it was. Um We've now got a guy, it would appear, who can do that on, on either side, and I think that's a real, a real asset. And as you say, once we get someone like a Yunga back and we increase the amount of options that we've got, even O'Hara back, mm-hmm. you know, they're big, big, strong guys who can get in front of a man and who are capable and have plenty of experience of scoring headers. So I think it's, it's just another step towards us being this kind of physical pack of bastards that Robinson likes to have that he's disposable we're a faster team this year we're really good with the, the kind of canny dark art stuff last year and we seem to have kept that going mm-hmm. we're still a big physical team that I don't think people enjoy playing against if we can match all that up with being better at set pieces and that kind of thing and punishing teams and just being hard to hard to keep out for that kind of thing then I, I think that's pretty much where Robinson wants us to to be last year at times we were definitely let's not concede and then see if we can smash one on the break. Yeah. This season it seems as if we've more gone towards let's score <laughs> as early mm-hmm. and as often as we can. I and mean, then two, try and keep them out. That's us two games in. We've scored four goals in within the first half and five goals in our first two games. It's it's it, as you can see, there's definitely intent of what he's wanting to do, get on the front yeah. foot right away. We just need to, and as Robinson said in his interviews as well, we just need to see the games out slightly better and make sure the confidence levels don't drop. Kind of did that. Mix of goals as well. Yep. And um, the fact as well, like what we're talking about strains, deliveries, and Boyd Muncy's deliveries, we've also got Conor McMenamin who has yeah. been putting in some fantastic deliveries, and I don't think it's that, like he hit the post as well with a header or the crossbar even with a header, I think it's not going to be long before he gets his first goal and I think yeah. once this team proper settles and you're kind of looking at your defence, we might be still a wee bit weak whether we bring in another player or whatever. Like, we've got Bolton who's just trying to get some match fitness in. He's a really strange player. Like, there's there's moments where he looks so uncomfortable but there are moments there where he, it, it looks like it's the easiest thing he's done all day and you're just hoping that it clicks for him a bit. It looks like a guy who's not played that much football yeah, um, for for a period of time. I just don't think the basic stuff's coming naturally to him again yet. Mm-hmm. I think he's capable. He's certainly a good, um, you know, he's a good size and good physicality and, and all the rest of it. He was brave. He was charging out and dealing with stuff 
10 yards in front of the back line and being the one that stepped up and that's all really positive I think um, he, he just needs to get back into the mm-hmm. the rhythm of things I think and he'll be a bit more composed a bit calmer maybe his position will get a little better but that, that'll just come with time I think if you don't really play much football for two years then you're going to some of those things are going to drop if you're only playing training games mm-hmm. and at that you know they've gone big spells without then probably is rusty and just has to be I think um, your point on your men is good and, and I want to to emphasise that I think the more I see him the more the more I like him but the more I like us with him in the team mm-hmm. as well I think it was so tricky he's not the fastest player in the world but he's so direct and he's skillful he's capable of buying that half yard but then doing something with it mm-hmm. as well and defenders most left backs you know like Beck for for a Dundee at the weekend pretty fast pretty handy athletic pretty smart you know in a foot race he's probably going to beat McMenamin most of the time McMenamin's certainly going to beat Ashcroft who I think was on the left of their three um, in the middle as well but it was the fact that he would cut back onto his foot and then knock it a yard Kind of, almost a kind of Niall McGinn type mm-hmm. type winger where he just you know that scoring is the first thing that's on his mind all the time and if he can't do that he will buy a yard and you'll get a decent cross in and I don't know that we've had a guy that direct and that productive in a while and I think it also really benefits Strain Yeah, I think Strain having a guy like that in front of him Strain can hang back 30 yards McMenamin can bring two guys in really close and even if he can't get a cross in, he's now got strain to lay the ball back to who can put a good delivery in, or Boyd Munns or whoever it is that kind of drops out wide in order to do that. Last year, with the lack of width that we had, you're relying on strain to be the one yeah. almost who does both. The guy who gets to the touchline and tries to find a space to make a cross, and if he can't do that, he almost needs to get on the end of his own pass, or he needs to give it to Bacchus or whoever it is that's dropped, and then get back into a spot to make a, a cross again. So I, I think we're committing more to possession this year and it'll give us more options and I, that's got to be a direct response to to how much we struggled to put smaller teams away last year mm-hmm. it's a bit more of a commitment it's more intent and I think in theory we should win more games against Dundee and County and Kelly and mm-hmm. Levy and teams that we maybe picked up more draws than we'd like um, last year at Hibs um, you know, it was, there wasn't a single game we went to Easter Road last year and looked capable of scoring three goals, never mind scoring more than than they did. And yeah. I think it's obvious that we're playing in a different uh, a different manner. That's a, that's a, the key thing. If we if we turned the, the results last season that turned out to be draws, we managed to convert them into wins. We would have been even half them into wins. We would have been much further up. That we would probably be in Europe. Um, and Robinson will know that. And the fact we've started so well in games that, like, even when we were two 0 up and Abs brought it back to two each. We still had enough about us to go and get that winner. Would that have happened last season? I don't know, but definitely, I think we like my early prediction was I didn't think we'd be able to repeat last season. I think I thought we'd we'd just miss it or something, and finish seventh, which is totally fine. Like a, a team our size, like anything outside of the relegation battle, is a win. Um, however, I'm I'm now a wee bit more confident I know we're only two games into the season but we were two games will do that Tim I know a wee bit more confident that we can finish much well if not sixth maybe fifth who knows yeah I I think 
Robinson, I would imagine. You know, we had that kind of funny start last year where we had seven home games out of our first 11. Mm-hmm. And we had such a great home record. But we did not win six of those seven. Yeah. We lost against Motherwell and then won the next six home games. And we were flying high and the pressure was off. And then we drew a lot of games between that point and the kind of tail end of the year where we started to pick up results again. And I think Robinson's maybe realised that actually what makes the difference for a team like us in terms of league finish is it's three points. It's not It's not necessarily always just been hard to beat. It's converting those narrow games mm-hmm. into to three points. And I think if we are now doing more to try and push that, it won't always work for us. You know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We've had two decent games. We've not played the best two teams in the division, for sure. We've played a couple of relatively fragile teams who are in big transition. Good news is that a lot of teams are in that that boat. Um, but yeah, I think we've, we've start, we've, we couldn't have started any better. That's great. I'm pretty confident of where we're going from here. What will separate us over time is that I think games like that will nick. So, you know, Livingston last year, at, you know, our, our away game around this point in the season last year, it was one each. It was the night we had the two the two red cards. Yeah. This time, um, I'm pretty positive that we'll go there and take a couple of goals off them and nudge it. And that's two extra points. And that buys you a bit more freedom against some of the bigger teams who we might, we might struggle against. That's the difference. We'll do that. And I think your, your Kamarnocks, even Dundee to an extent, maybe maybe Livy, um, I think they are capable of being really hard to beat. And particularly at home, you know, they'll, they'll shore things up and they'll keep points. You know, absolutely, we could go to Rugby Park twice this season and they could be as well set up as they were last year. And we couldn't get, we might not get close to scoring and they'll either score one or not score and we'll get a point. I think that's their ceiling. I don't think they're going to win a lot of marginal games. I don't think they've quite got that yet. I think they're just a little bit too conservative. They're not that strong. And so that's why you'll see Kilmarnock and Dundee, maybe Livingston, definitely St Johnston, all kind of hovering slightly lower down because there just won't be enough games that have tipped over into to three points. And you're then needing to pick up three draws to make up for one. Mm-hmm. to make up for one performance where you gave it a go and managed to take something from it so I think we'll gamble's maybe too strong a word but I think we'll go for it more this season we'll win more away games against the you know certainly the bottom half playing the way that I think we're going to be set up to play and actually it'll mean we won't need to worry quite as much about mm-hmm. having to show up and steal points well, like we in- did at points last year yeah it will be interesting once we, we face like Hearts Aberdeen you know, these <coughs> sort of teams that are usually nailed on for like a third and fourth finish. Yeah. Let's see what we can do against them. Uh, before we, we kind of move on, we'll talk about the the controversial goal that apparently won us the game, even though it didn't count, depending on which <laughs> articles you read. Um, Cheers, JD. <laughs> it, it, it's such a... It's mental to think that we have VAR, but we don't have Hawkeye like goal line technology. But and, that's the... I feel like we spoke about this often enough when we talked about VAR coming in last year. If VAR's done properly, I think most people would just accept that it's now football. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. The issue is that we don't have the money to spend more than a million pounds a season on it or whatever it is that's being spent. And what you get for that is six cameras. So it's the same as like someone's streaming service, mm-hmm. which is great. Don't get us wrong. The commentators in particular are or dynamite, really um, handsome, good guys as well. Yeah. I heard that they donated money to the enemy, <laughs> um, but that, but that's what you're getting. You're not getting Sky 
And when you look at the Premiership, Premier League games down south, sorry, the quality that you're getting on Sky and the amount of close-ups oh, yeah. you're getting, that's what VAR have. What VAR has up here is what the club streaming services have. It's a couple of cameras on each touchline and it's two cameras closer to the closer to the byline and that's it. So you're going to get decisions. That's why it's so hard to put an offside line across mm-hmm. and why that get, was the source of a couple of problems last year is why you're trying to judge a goal line decision from 20 yards away at, at an angle and you've got people measuring how far the crossbar is away and where the shadow is and where the ball shadow is and it's just bollocks and you just need to accept that we've done it for a discount because we have to we either do it for a discount or we don't do it and for that you don't get the good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and that means you're going to miss out on decisions and it just is what it is and I'm not happy about it but I'm certainly not going to start ranting and raving about it mm-hmm. because that's exactly what we were promised it's exactly what we were yeah. sold to be fair with it it's obviously you don't want to spend too much time looking at it and if it's not a clear and obvious error or that kind of thing I think um, Tomo mentioned it in sport sports scene where he essentially said that if it was a goal they weren't overturning it so it's, it's, it's yeah exactly um, there's not enough to overturn it either way I, yeah. think, I think that's the that's the point. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, when you look at it, like Joe Shaughnessy's full foot's over the line, and it hits his like the the top of like his his ankle. Yeah. yeah. So you think, well, that means the whole ball's over the line. But we won the game anyway, and hopefully we don't get done out of one goal difference any point of the season, and then we don't need to reflect on this again. Yeah, I think if um, similar to some other seasons that we've moaned enough about over the last few years, if we fuck up based on one goal. It won't be that disallowed goal. Mm-hmm. It was the, no. the issue. It'll have been a, you know, a, a sitter that we've missed in the ninety fourth minute, or one that we've conceded because we've not bothered our ass to track something back or yeah. whatever. I don't think one goal of a margin will ever come down this way. It, it stings, but it's just the way of it now, and we just need to kind of accept it. It's so easy to lose it. <laughs> to lose sleep and lose patience <laughs> and getting too wound up about that kind of stuff but there is no agenda against someone and the system's just a bit shit and we need to go on it. I don't know, I think the agenda against Simon might rear its ugly head, the fact that we're now only there's now only two teams with a 100% record in the league and uh, That's true. those establishment teams might not be happy about that but those Paisley too bastards big to fail. you know yeah. So big, big Pharma can't handle it essentially <laughs> They'll be throttling us, which is fair enough. We, we welcome the chase. Yeah. Uh, any more comments on that match? No, nah, it's probably enough for everyone. Cool. We will be back after this. I'm Keanu Backus, and you're listening to the Misery Hunters podcast. Thanks, big Keanu. Do you play that on two times speed? No, he, he does speak really fast on that, to be fair. That's, that's his normal. I think he. Oh, I thought I was going to go out of building, but I didn't go out of building, and I'm saying it's moon. That was a reasonable Bacchus, I think. That was. That is, uh, we're going to have to have a whole segment where Keanu Bacchus reads the data. <laughs> is, is Keanu Bacchus is Keanu Bacchus a shit text of the week? <laughs> Clip it. There it is. The new feature. It was um, falling close. It was falling into an Alex Greve there and I was <laughs> conscious of it. Hi, I'm Alex Greve. Oh, hi, Alex. <laughs> You're listening to Misery Hunters. <laughs> and that, that was actually a very good impression as well. Yeah, um, See what happens when there's only two of us. <laughs> the creativity just flows better. Um, That's one way to put it. <laughs> Motherwell coming up this week in the Cup. 
I would absolutely love Mandron to score in this game uh, or score the winner but I want him to do it in the most shit house way because see the comments that keep appearing on Twitter like Twitter like oh how shite Dundee are if Mandron scoring against them and all this kind of thing I love when a team writes off a player that that's no longer with them only for them to come back and bite them in the arse at the back of our team he hates Aberdeen Declan Gallagher mm-hmm. that kind of thing that kind of thing I would look I would love us to score a carbon copy of that Boyd Munster Mandron uh, yeah. corner routine against Motherwell. That would pretty much be the the kind of pinnacle of getting it straight back up them. I um, think I would prefer one of these Cody Cook style hat tricks where <laughs> it's absolutely atrocious, and we can say like that player might be shite, but he scored three. Not the Mandron is shite. I think he's quite a good player, um, but like you know just. Three absolutely awful goals, and I'd be happy. Three Abika type goals. Yeah, like once that he doesn't know anything, it, bounce off his shinned knee. half volleys, and... aye, shinned half volleys from four yards and mm-hmm. knees at the far post and that kind of thing. Even a clearance that's bounced off him and in the net. One of them. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think, despite the the obvious narrative with Mandron, an Olasanya hat trick would really be the oh, yeah. that. That's what we're all here for, right? A hat trick of assists from Olasanya. Yes, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Complete I'm right up for that. Toyosi time. I think Motherwell, <laughs> excuse me, Motherwell are such a tough team to figure out. I, I think I got a bit lazy over the summer and just assumed that Motherwell were going to carry on their, their good form into this year and they were maybe one to watch for, for pushing up into the top six. And then it was only fairly recently I, I was like, they've lost Van Veen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The the only reason, really, I mean, Kettlewell's come in and done a good job, and I think Kettlewell's clearly a competent manager, and he's got a reasonable squad around him. But the only reason that they picked up the amount of points that they did is Kevin Van Veen, and I think most mm-hmm. Motherwell fans would probably accept that as well. So actually, in terms of how, where teams are and what they're trying to do, Motherwell maybe have a lot more to claw back than almost any other team in the league in terms of losing mm-hmm. losing someone who defined their season quite as much as, as he did. The unfortunate thing for us is that based on one sub-appearance, oh, it yeah. looks as if they've got an absolute diamond in uh, Bieris mm-hmm. from uh, from Arsenal. It, it kind of makes me annoyed that we spent an entire summer wondering where our physical striker replacement was going to come from, and it looks like they've... I think it was Graham Thulis, um on the, on the terrace who described Bieris as... What was it? The the ta- the talent of Henrik Ojama in the body of Curtis Main. Oof, terrifying. Which, which is terrifying, but is also pretty much ideal for mm-hmm. for a, a team of our level, someone with that kind of application, but who's also just going to bounce off folk. Um, the only thing so, you've got to hope out of this is it was only a mere substitute appearance that they've seen, and sometimes, yeah. like early impressions, do not last. Like, I remember when we signed, was it Willock on loan from Man United? And he looked like a baller. Same as Hayden Coulson. And, Jeff know, King. Yeah, all these players who had made a very quick impression at the start and went, no, nah, these players don't look too bad. And then look how that turned out. I generally they think no Matty Willock yeah. might have been one of the worst players I've seen in a St. Market. I think it was that fairly obvious thing that I'm still amazed that Alan Stubbs didn't pick up on, which was... He obviously was talented enough to get through the academy system, mm-hmm. but was obviously not good enough at the point of 23 or 22 
he'd never played a first team game. Even on even on loan, I don't think he'd actually gone out and done a brief spell at St Johnson the year before, but I don't think he'd done much there either. He played like two or three, and I think he was a sub. I don't think he did. So there's got to be a question of heart at mm-hmm. that point. And Bieris, twenty, to be fair, mm-hmm. um, went to Arsenal when he was sixteen, I think, and uh, he played a few games in the second half of last season in Holland. Um, scored, I think, in the top flight, and I think he scored a couple of goals against the team that Van Veen now mm-hmm. plays for Groningen. Um, so, you know, he's not going to be shit. But yeah. think of all think of all the guys we've had who've been good enough to get those kind of moves and those kind of loan moves over the years, Brock Madsen, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so, one sub appearance is is early to be calling whether someone's the the second coming of Kevin Van Veen or not. But he looks capable. So Dundee in general, I'm not that worried about. Mm-hmm. I think it could go either way. But if this guy's firing, then. It's it's just what we were saying before about us against some of your, some of the other teams in the division who maybe don't have that cutting edge. That's the guy that pushes Motherwell from hard to beat and well organised into taking points off people week on week mm-hmm. and turning one point into three points fairly regularly if if he's uh, if he's firing. So I think it's an interesting one. Um, disappointed that I'm not going to be able to see it. Yeah, <laughs> because same. I I'm not going and there is no stream anywhere. Not, not even the IPTV massive will be able to get a hold of this. Feels mental to mm-hmm. me, to be honest, that two top flight teams are playing uh, each other and there's not going to be a camera in the building. But this day and age, it's nuts. Seems because like, from the from the way they were saying, and there not been any broadcast. Does that also mean that they're not filming the match? I thought that as well. Like, there's not like does that mean like we're not going to see replays of it? Is are we going to end up yeah, with this like kind of nice. Mark Yardley style goal where? Um, yeah. Olasanya skinned the whole team and slotted We'd it. We assume in there. that uh, Lewis, um, Lewis will be down there doing his stuff with his GoPro, and we'll need to rely on uh, rely on that for some mm-hmm. of the high quality stuff. Maybe they just mean live broadcast, and they'll still have yeah, they, they, they'll have the streaming company down there. But mm-hmm. my impression from the way it was worded was that that company aren't going to be there, so mm-hmm. we don't have the the bar cameras aren't there, and we use them for our stream. So, um, we may uh, we might be snookered. So I I will be listening to sports in now. I sports in, I would imagine. Yeah. On Saturday, I think there's still audio commentary with I presume Gordon. Um, yeah, and, and we've got a login. Um, so for someone TV subscribers, I guess there's an audio, uh, an audio feed. I think you can listen to it in the UK as well, regardless if you're a subscriber yeah. or not. So we should be able to at least listen to it and tune into yeah. Gordon and. Uh, I presume Gordon. If it's not Gordon, then I'm sorry. <laughs> unofficial, unofficial ninth misery hunter. Mm-hmm. Gordon, of course. So it is. Who's it? Is all of a sudden. Well, Billy Hogg is already already the unofficial seventh misery hunter. Ah. And then I just assumed that there was someone else we told was an unofficial misery hunter at some point. Probably. Maybe maybe Alison for getting us the voice that notes. Is on true. The, that is true. Yeah. I think she was maybe given unofficial misery hunter status. So, I think nine's about right. <laughs> and you're the listener as well yeah you're the you're the 12th man you're the unofficial 12th misery hunters <laughs> and we appreciate that but yeah I, it'll be an interesting game the Motherwell one I still think there's going to be enough about us to win it we're obviously very well aware that um, Liam Kelly likes to hold out his one world class game a season against us 
we witnessed it in very early in the, the season last year, so whether we'll witness it again this year. But even with it's even with this new loan guy that they've got, and if he can produce the stuff, we are kind of set up to like we'll score one more than you, kind of football. And I think so. I, I, I'm more than confident that we'll we'll get into the next round. I'm more than confident we're going to win it, to be fair. But I'm still confident we're going of, to win the league as well. So I think one of two things will happen. I think we'll either win handily and then fold against them in the league. Mm-hmm. Or they'll pump us and then we go to Fur Park when it's not a chance to get to Hamden and we'll roll over them mm. in the league. I think, what, I think one of those things will happen. And I don't know which one I'd be happier with, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think if we say would you rather the League Cup or Europe, most people might say Europe. Um, yeah. But then a replay of 2013, the nights out afterwards. Am I too old for those kind of nights out now? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, no. To be fair, I, of... when I own an actual venue where you can go in and enjoy after one of those matches, like I should be promoting that. I fucking, let's win the, the League Cup. What kills me is I had family who came out who are not particularly um, passionate Simone fans but got caught up in the whole thing and were out the night after the final and if we were to win it again over the next couple of years I would be the same age they were. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. No. That, that ages me. Hmm. It makes me feel funny and I don't know if I want to keep talking about it. That's fine. I think we can end the podcast there. Brilliant. If, uh, if you want to hear us talking about the new kits then I'm afraid you will have to contribute to the Patreon. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of good reasons for you to do that, which Jamie's about to tell you. I am indeed. Patreon.com forward slash Misery Hunters. £3 a month. We use your money for good, like buying people tickets. Uh, you get entered into monthly prize draws. Draws? Monthly prize draw. Aye, that makes sense. It just yeah. seemed weird when I said it. But uh, this month we are giving away... We have um, some new merch on our on our website um and we're going to give some of that merch away not the 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 baby baby grows that'd be a bit weird if you don't have a baby on the way um but if you do you can get on that an, but we, an excellent psych out present for a significant other who you've not had that conversation with yet yeah i see herbie's already trying to push that conversation <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which again i really respect also yeah. noticed that uh, not to get all discord about you everything but uh, we put a message in for the patrons before we announced earlier on about us having bought those uh, Help a Buddy tickets and uh, we've got personalised reaction oh, yeah. <laughs> um, emojis in the Discord based on some some podcast favourites like Dave Cormack and Mr. Simon and whatnot. And uh, Herbie went through and pressed every single one. Legend. <laughs> on, on the announcement <laughs> for that. So lots of people just gave us the old thumbs up. Herbie gave us a picture of Tuo Lasagna <laughs> and Dave Cormack and Mr. Simon. Zach Hemming as and, well? Uh, and Zach Hemming, yeah, mm-hmm. a couple others. So a big a big fan of that. It's been a strong 24 hours for Herbie. But yeah, we have new lo- logo hoodies and you can win one of them this month if you are a Patreon, £3 a month. And again, that is patreon.com forward slash miseryhunters. If you want to see our merch or buy any merch, it's miseryhunters.co.uk and I'll always put a plug in for Paisley Craft Beer. Get on it. Drink some lovely beer. We've got some lovely stuff coming in. And... 25 um, Lawn Street. 25 Lawn Street. And keep your eyes peeled. We might have some new beers coming. And Topless is, dancers after midnight as well. I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, 
and there should hopefully be a new batch of Jenny Don't Be Hazy coming very soon. And I will end it with a fuck Trevor Carson. Fuck Richard Arnold and John Murtaugh and the entire senior staff at Manchester United Football Club. That's a very good one. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.